You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Truth be told, this is actually a series about the parables of Christ. And when you talk about parables, these are earthly stories that are regular sites for people in those days, the Israelites. And these have been used by Jesus. The main objective and the main point is to that to point to a uh, spiritual truth and many of the parables of christ uh describe what the kingdom of god is and how the kingdom of god works and how the king acts and how we should also act as his subjects and so uh this particular story that we're, we're going to be handling right now really deals about the kingdom of god and so this uh, parable will be the parable of the ten minas Maybe some of you are wondering, 10 minas? Ano bang mini-mina niyan, okay? Parable of the 10 minas, actually, uh, it has a parallel par- parable in Matthew 25, but not exactly the same. It's the parable of the talents. And this basically talks about faithfulness. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be reading uh, today from the ESV version. Look, it's actually the third ba- uh, book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then Look. Try, try to look for Luke chapter 19. Uh, we will read from verse 11 to 27. Okay, this is rather a, uh, a long read. Can you all stand up as we give reverence to God's word and as we do a public reading of his scripture? Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Everybody say immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good uh, servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And second came, uh, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, You are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept uh, laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you. Because you are a severe man, you take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reap what I did not sow. Why then did did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said those to those who stood by, take the mina from him and gave it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them 
before me. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better and illuminate uh, the truth that is hidden in this parable. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You are our teacher and our guide. And I pray, God, that you would find uh, in us, among us in this congregation, faithful men and women who would be faithful to use the talents, the gifts, the abilities, the opportunities, the treasures that you have given to each and every one of us for the advancement of your kingdom. We thank you, Lord God, even today. May your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Now, to give us a quick background of this parable, this basically is a story that is describing Jesus' journey to heaven. And so the nobleman right here in the story is describing, describing him. And so this is almost like a very direct illustration of what the kingdom is all about. And so the context of this parable, we need to understand that the disciples at that time were wondering when the kingdom of God will be established. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the same question I've been asked to Jesus. And it was said to him and asked him, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Time and time again, the disciples are asking, Lord, is it the time? Are we there yet? Is this the time? Because he's about to enter Jerusalem. And they think that this is the final stop. When he enters Jerusalem, that they will actually take over Hopefully, and they will put up a new political kingdom. They, we all know that they are being ruled by the Roman Empire at that time. But somehow, they, they want the kingdom of God to rule and reign right away. But yet, Jesus is saying that's not the point. So he went on to share this parable that somehow he is supposed to be on a journey. That he is going away for a while. And how many of you know that Jesus left earth 2,000 years ago? He went to heaven, and He's still there. And how many of you know and believe that Jesus is coming back one day? Right? He is coming back one day, but nobody knows. People have tried to predict that, right? Back in 1988, someone wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988, and guess what? He did not come back in 1988. So He changed the book to 89 reasons why Jesus comes back in 1989. And he still did not come back. And even until today, 2016. But what we do know is, this gospel of mine will be preached to all the world. And then the end will come. And how many of you know that the gospel has not been preached to the ends of the earth? There is still something that we need to do as we occupy this earth until he comes. And that's exactly the message of this parable. Occupy till I come. You know, don't be in a hurry. But in the meantime, while waiting, be faithful. Everybody say, be faithful. Look at the person beside you. Be faithful. If that is your spouse with a straight eye, be faithful. Ganyan, Right? You know, you, you, we have to say that and declare that, you know, God called us to be faithful. I have yet to see a scripture when God says, well done, good and successful servant. He's not rewarding success. He's rewarding faithfulness. Amen. We're not to be, yes, we're going to be successful in the eyes of the world, but ultimately what he's looking for are faithful hearts. 
He's looking for faithful men and women who will do the task and who will do His job while we are still here on earth waiting for Him to come. We are to spread the love. We are to spread the good news. So this is what's being asked by the disciples. Lord, is it this time already that you're establishing your kingdom? And Jesus said before He left, Guys, it's not yet the time. But wait. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power. And you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Guess what? While we are waiting, you and I are witnesses. And what is a witness? A witness, many times, is invited to the court of law. And he is supposed to pledge over a Bible. And he would be asked, Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God? Yes. And so he will tell the truth, the whole truth, not about the truth. And he's asked, he's asked to say what he has heard, what he has experienced, and what he has uh, seen. That is the purpose of a witness. And guess what? As witnesses of Christ, you may not have seen Christ face to face. But how many of you have seen his work in your life and his faithful hand in our lives? Amen. He's been faithful. And that is the task that we have, to be faithful witnesses to be faithful in giving our testimony to others, the faithfulness of God uh, in our lives. And so that was the context. And it's interesting that even before this parable was spoken by Christ, there was another story that came before this, immediately before this parable. And it's the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you are familiar with Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a small man. He was a chief tax collector. In fact, he was so small he couldn't see uh, Jesus coming, and there was one time when Jesus was going through Jericho, I guess Zacchaeus lives there, he was passing through Jericho, going to Jerusalem, and Zacchaeus wanted to meet Jesus. But because the Bible says, because he was small, I don't know what his height was, but he was small, and the Bible says he was small of stature. He probably see the back of the people, and so what he did was he went ahead the path of the Lord, and he went up the sycamore tree, and he waited there. And when Jesus went exactly at that point where Zacchaeus was, he looked up. And he saw this acacia tree. No, no, no. Uh, Zycamore fig tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I am going to your house and I'm going to eat with you tonight. And the people were wondering, why this man? Because Zacchaeus, as the chief tax collector, they hated tax collectors. You have to realize that for the Jews, they have two categories of sinners. The sinners and the tax collectors. The sinners were the regular sinners, the, you know, the drunkards, the prostitutes, and then you have the tax collectors. Because the tax collectors are not just sinners, they're traitors. They work for the Roman Empire and they get money from the people. Instead of money being back to Jerusalem's use, for Jerusalem's use and the temple's use, they bring it back to Caesar and as they deliver the money, they enrich themselves. And that's why they became corrupt. You know, this guy named Zacchaeus, a sinner, a chief tax collector, Jesus took the time to enter his home and eat with him. How many of us are like Zacchaeus and are glad that Jesus took the time to stop by our home and meet with us and dine with us? Amen. We are all like him. We're not better than him, but Jesus was even criticized by the religious people because they were saying, look at this guy. He's eating with the drunkards and tax collectors. 
But this is Jesus. This is what happened in the, in the house of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the real life foundation. No, the poor, okay? And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Can you imagine the conversion that happened in the heart of this man? As a chief tax collector, he was corrupt. He was greedy. He wanted to enrich himself. He was, you know, he was all, it's all about taking, taking me, my, mine. But when he encountered the Lord Jesus, suddenly something happened. From that point on, on the dinner table, he stood up and said, Lord, half of my net worth, I'll give away. And if I have defrauded someone, I will pay them back four times. How many of you know that there is indeed a real salvation that happened in that man? He did not do that to be saved. He did that because he had an encounter with Christ. He did that, I believe, after his salvation with the Lord. And so Jesus said this to him. Today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In fact, I believe this is exactly what Jesus meant. And the premise as he was walking when he shared this parable. Because right after verse 10, when he said this statement, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, verse 11 came. That is what we've read earlier. And as they heard these things, who heard these things? The people in the house, the disciples, they heard these things that Jesus was saying about the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. So he proceeded to tell a parable. How many of you know that Jesus is very intelligent and is logical? He will not share anything that is not connected to that situation. We all know that somehow this thing about Zacchaeus, what happened here, has a correlation or a relationship with this parable. And so he said, then he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. In other words, what the disciples were saying, Lord, come now. Don't wait anymore. Whoever will be saved will be saved. Whoever will not be saved, let them die in eternity in hell. But the heart of God is to wait. The heart of God is to tarry for a while. The heart of God is not to see people go to destruction, but to see everyone come into repentance, into have eternal life. Amen. That is the heart of our Savior. Amen. And aren't you glad that God was patient and He waited for you to be saved? Isn't that amazing? Look at the person beside you. It's amazing that you got saved. I was surprised. I'm surprised you got saved. But yet how many of us have family members and friends and office mates and relatives, classmates in the past who are still, who, who still, not, be, who are still not yet saved? And have yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ that He's here to seek and save the lost. That is the essence of this parable. I believe that while we are waiting for Him to come, we're to spread the good news. We are to spread the testimony. We're to spread and use our influence, our talents, our treasure, just like this servants, so that we will see the kingdom of God come wherever we are. Amen. Are we here this afternoon? And so he said, he said, therefore a noble man went into a far country to receive 
for himself a kingdom and then return. We all know that one day Jesus Christ will return. In the book of Revelations, it was prophesied that he will come riding on a white horse and on his thigh is a sash that says, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is going to come in power. He is going to come in majesty. He is going to come in glory. That's exactly the song that we have sang earlier. Blessing and honor and glory and power and strength will be upon him because he is king of kings. And then he said, calling ten of his servants, he gave them how many minas? Ten minas. Okay. So he gave them ten minas, one mina each. And said to them, engage in business until I come. So what he's saying to them is, with this mina that I'm giving to you, use it, grow it, engage in business. Now how many of you are business owners here? Can please raise your hand? All right. How many of you are employees? Okay. How many of you are praying for work? Yeah. All right. Now, if you are a business owner, I think the whole objective of a business is to earn profits. It's to make money, isn't it? It's to have a good yield on your investment. I mean, that's the whole essence of a business. And when he said this, engage in business, and what is the business of God, the kingdom of God? It's, not, it's more than money. Business is part of it. Yeah, I know that Yeah, we have marketplace business, but I believe that the real kind of business is soul business. Is the kingdom of God. We're going to look at this in the last parable on the eighth week of, uh, of, of the, this series when we talk about the parable of the shrewd manager, how we are to use our business and influence for that. But in this particular case, a, rel- a related kind of parable is said, engage in business until I come. So here we see that this is Jesus going out. In verse 14, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. And so there were some people in the kingdom who are citizens who are not happy that he is away and is coming back as king. And how many of you know that whether you are a Christian or not, we are still part of of the kingdom of God. That's the way the kingdom of God is. You know, and there are some people who'd probably not go and submit themselves to him, but in, at the, all, every, everybody will bow themselves at the name of Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, Jesus owns everything. Ultimately, he is the one to be worshipped, He is the one to be submitted to. He is the one who will be Lord and King. They think that if they reject Christ, then Christ has nothing to do with them. Well, the truth is, even if you reject Christ, He has everything to do with you. That's the good news. Even if people would reject Christ, Christ, Jesus, still has power and authority over them. He is not only Lord over those who are called believers, he is Lord over every person on this planet. So whether you submit to Him or not, He is Lord. If we are Christians and faithful servants of God, He is Lord. If we are unfaithful servants, like the, uh, the third servant that was checked out by Him, He is still Lord over His life. 
ultimately we will submit to Him. We are under His world. We live in His country over which He is sovereign and over which He has authority over. We cannot reject Him. We cannot ignore Him. He is still Lord. In other words, there are three groups of people in this parable that we can actually find. First is the faithful servant. Second, read uh, the unfaithful servant. Thank you, okay? And third, say faithless foes. So these are the three groups of people that we will find in this parable. What is compelling about this story is this. We're all in it. Every single one of us. We're in either one of these three categories. There's no exemption here in this place. You and I are all part of this parable. You are either a faithful servant, an unfaithful servant, or a faithless foe. But we're all part of this. But still Jesus is Lord over us. He's still going to be king at the, end of the day, at the end of the day. The first servant came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And I believe this particular statement, Lord, your mina, is so important because it is a starting point. The acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is the owner of all things is the starting point of stewardship. We have to acknowledge that it's not, it does not belong to us. It belongs to Him. Amen. Everything that you think you own does not belong to you. Even the shirt and the clothes and the blouse that you are wearing in church today, it does not belong to you. Even if you just bought it in HMN yesterday. It does not belong to us. If you check the title deed of your house, even if the name is under your name, if you check the COC of your car, if it's under your name, if, it, if you check the bank account that you have, whether it has a lot of money or no money at all, guess what? It's not under you. It's not, it does not belong to you. It belongs to God. And the servant has got it. He said, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. And how many of you know that is a very good prophet? Tenfold. One mina gained 10 minas. Wow. That's 1,000%. Very good businessman. And he is acknowledging that the money is not his, but the Lord's. What he's saying is, I just put it to good work and did this. You're the one who created the environment. You're the one who gave me the intelligence. You're the one who gave me the connections. You're the one who gave me this ability to produce wealth. Guess what? It's not us who makes wealth. Deuteronomy 8 says, Remember the Lord your God because it is Him who gives us the ability to produce wealth. Amen. And it so confirms the covenant with our forefathers. It's not us making the wealth. It's not us opening the deals. It's not your school that you came from that actually gives you the ability to produce wealth even if it's a good school. It's not the family background you came from. It is not your training in, you know, whether you trained for 10 years as a doctor. It is not that, though that is important. All of these things came from God himself. And uh, if, if we are wise enough to acknowledge that all these things come from God, that is the starting point of good stewardship. The starting point of being a good and faithful servant is that acknowledging, Lord, everything comes from you, belongs to you, and I give it back to you. And then he said to him, 
Well done, good servant. How many of you would long to hear these words someday? That God will speak to you. And when you see Him face to face, and again, all of us will have this opportunity to see face to face, to have you know, a face to face encounter with, with God. And I long to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And then he said, because you have been what? Faithful. In a very little, you shall have authority over what? Ten minas? No, ten cities. Guess what? A mina, ten minas is about three months' wages. Last week, we talked about a denarius having you know, the value of one day's wage. But ten minas is about three months' wages. How many of you know that even if it's three months' wages, that is still not enough? How many of you can live on a lifetime with three months' wage? I don't think so. But yet this servant was faithful with one mina. He produced 30 months worth of wages out of one mina. And God entrusted to him 10 cities. And that's the way the kingdom of God works. If we are faithful in a little, God will give you more. And that is the reward of the faithful servant. That's like the first point. There is always reward for faithfulness. Amen. God is looking for faithful people. The question is, what are we doing with our talents? What is that in your hand? How many of you know that you are talented? How many of you are convinced that you are gifted by God? Can you please raise your hand? At least one talent. Don't be humble right now. I'm not looking for humble people here, okay? I'm looking for people who are convinced that God blessed them with a gift. God has gifted you, whether it's a gift of smiling or a gift of singing or a gift of partying. I don't know, whatever gift that is, okay? God gave you a gift that is unique to you. Use that gift for the kingdom. Maybe some of you have the gift of logic, the gift of numbers, the gift of business acumen or whatever. Maybe the gift of memory and you're a good lawyer. A gift of steady hand and you're a good surgeon. Everything comes from Him. The question is, are we using this thing to bless Him? Now, not only did the first servant come, but the second servant came as well. And, and the second came and saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. Wow. The first one made ten. The second one made five. How many of you know that is still good? 500% return. Still good. And so he said to him, you are to be over five cities. Second servant, different number of minas, but the same attitude as the first. Both are faithful. And I realize that nobody or not everybody has the same opportunity. Not everybody has the same kind of gift. You cannot compare yourself with another person and say, why are you more gifted than me? No, he is gifted on a different ability and you are gifted with another ability. Use that ability. You may be, not be a 10 mina person, but you are a 5 mina person. But guess what? Whether you're a 10 or a 5 both receive the same commendation. Well done, good servant. Not one is better than the other, but yet both glorified the Lord through the use of their wealth and through the use of their resource and talents. There's a story that happened many, many years ago. An, old, an elderly couple entered a hotel room in a one stormy evening, and they were looking for a room. It was actually a place in a... In a, in a city where there's like a huge conference during that time. And the hotel clerk by the name of George C. Bolt 
said to the elderly couple, we're sorry, but our room or our hotel is full as of today. And I, I'm afraid that every room in the city is full also because of the conference that is happening in this city. But I don't want you to go out there in a stormy night. So why don't you take my own room, which I do have as a worker here, and I'm not going to sleep tonight because I need to reconcile my books as I do my bookkeeping duties. And so the elderly couple obliged because it was late in the evening already and they were so tired from the travel. And so the next morning, they were commending the hotel clerk and they were giving him thanks. And they were saying, wow, you are the kind of employee every hotel owner dreams about employing. And then he said this, the elderly man said this, maybe one day I can build a hotel for you that you can manage. And so uh, George Seaball just smiled and said politely, oh, thank you for your kind words. And so he actually sent them off. Several years later, the older man actually uh, was true to his word. He invited George uh, Seaball to see him in New York City in front of uh, 5th Avenue and 34th Street in New York and sent him a round-trip ticket so that he can actually be on his way. And this man happens to be uh, Sir William Waldorf Astor, and he built uh, the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, and uh, George Seabolt became the first manager of that hotel. How many of you know that there is always reward for faithfulness? Amen. And it may not be the same opportunity that you have, and you might, you might think, will that happen to me? As I work in my office counting you know, the money, or maybe counting the books, or maybe counting the paper clips, whatever it is that you're counting, will that happen to me? I don't know. But guess what? The question is not about the reward. The question is God is watching us. Not from a distance. But He is watching us. And He's checking our faithfulness. The true test of faithfulness is this. If no one is looking, will you still do the task with all your heart? As if God is looking at you and your boss is seated right there beside you. If you are maybe a clerk or a janitor in the office, would you clean that place pick and span if your supervisor is not watching? If you are working maybe in a pancake house, not the brand, but in the pancake house, and you are assigned to flipping pancakes, will you flip that pancakes as if God is watching you? You know, make the best pancake ever, round, fluffy ones. You know, that is called faithfulness. Even if no one is watching, God is watching. And that is a true test of faithfulness. There was one particular pastor one time who actually, uh, he was kind of old. And this was in a church in England. And after preaching in his message, one of his deacons said, Pastor, the board is now electing a new pastor because I don't think you are doing a fantastic job. Because this year only one person got saved and it happens to be a boy. So the pastor said, okay, I'm ready to resign as a pastor. And so he gave his resignation sermon. And after the sermon, everybody left. And this boy stood be, you know, before him and said, Pastor, uh, my name is Robert. Can I ask you a question? And he said, go ahead. Do you think I can pursue studies by working because I don't have a uh, you know, family to support me? Because I want to be a missionary one day. And guess what happened? He became one of the finest missionary in Africa. And his name is Robert Moffat. And he came back uh, years after and giving his testimony uh, about what happened that particular day. 
And maybe the old pastor did not know anymore what happened to Robert Moffat because he came back as an older missionary. But guess what? It's not about our success in ministry or whatever it is that you're doing. May God is just checking our faithfulness and may God give us the grace to wait on the results of our faithfulness. Amen. Because who knows what kind of result that will produce in the future. But as long as you're faithfully doing your tasks, guess what? I believe God is pleased with us. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise this afternoon? God wants to bless us in the little things. You know, this morning, one of the leaders in our, in our church who shared the offering was Judge Lisa Flores. And I remember Judge Lisa when he was still starting as a fiscal in, in Alabang. He was still, she was still assigned in Alabang as a fiscal. Before that, she was an attorney. And then we started praying because there was an open door for her to become a judge uh, in a, an RTC in Manila. In, sorry, in Metro Manila. And so as we prayed, guess what? Her name came out in the short list. And out of the three, she was voted to be a judge right now. And who knows? As she is faithful in what she is doing, who knows that maybe someday she can be one of our Supreme Court justices in the nation. Amen. Faithfulness in the little. You know, God will entrust us with much if we are faithful in the very little. God will entrust us with ten cities. I believe God is in the process of opening doors for us. You know, this morning I also saw uh, Conrad and Lolit Reyes. You know, I've used the story of Conrad many times, but Lolit I haven't. Lolit actually uh, used to be the first accountant of our church in victory, in U-Belt. And she became an assistant of Pastor Steve. But because of, you know, uh, being a housewife, she said to Conrad, I'm going to resign and I'm going to uh, pursue homemaking and take care of our kids. But nonetheless, she was still sharp in her accountancy skills. And then about a few months, a few years uh, ago, she was hired as CFO of one of the major hotel chains in Metro Manila because of the faithfulness that she has shown for many, many years. God wants to use us. And God wants to use you. He's checking on the faithfulness. Are you faithful in the little? If we are faithful in the little, God will bring you much. Are we faithful in our driving? How we drive the streets of Metro Manila? How about our trash? You know, how many of you know would like to see the Philippines as a beautiful country? Clean country. What do you do with your trash? I hope that you... Don't just throw your trash outside the window. You know, when you eat a candy, oh, it's just a small piece of wrapper. You throw it outside. Guess what? That is not the trash can in Metro. The streets of Metro is not the trash can. Let our car be the trash can for the meantime and transfer the trash in a regular trash can. Amen. Amen. Small things. We're praying for change in this nation, but how about changing in the little things? Cleaning up after we use the toilet. You know, opening what we have, closing what we have opened, bringing back what we have taken. You know, it's very, very basic. Everything that we need to know in life, we can learn in kindergarten. But the thing is, many times we forgot what we learned in the kindergarten and you have moved on to greater things. We need to go back to the little things. We need to be faithful in the little. Amen. Second, the rejection of the false servant. Is what happened. So there were 
ten servants who were given, given ten minas, but only three appeared. And I don't know what happened to the seven. Don't ask me, okay? It's not written in the Bible. Not, I don't, I don't want to make any conclusion there. But there were three who came forward. The first two got ten. The, the second got five. And the third one, what happened to the mina of this third one? Another came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. What happened? He did nothing with the talent and the gifts and the treasure that God has given to him. The, ser- the third servant has not labored nor conducted business with the mina, but has just hidden it away. In fact, according to some rabbis, this is a very careless servant. You don't just hide something that is valuable in a handkerchief. At least you dig a hole in the ground and put it there. But he was careless. He was useless because he was thoughtless. He didn't think. He didn't think about the consequences. He didn't realize that God is going to be demanding an account one day with the talent and the gift and the ability that we have. My question is, what is that in your hand? What talent and skills and ability and treasures do we have? I believe if you have a little thing, just like that little boy, remember that little boy who had lunch one day? Two loaves, five fish. Or, baliktad yun. Two fish, five loaves. Two loaves, five fish. And then he gave that lunch to Philip, and eventually Philip gave it to to Jesus. That small lunch became lunch for the entire 5,000 people. Was able to bless multitudes. Don't underestimate what you have. The smallest things that we have can be a blessing to a lot more people. Amen. If you can smile, you can be a great usher in this church. You know, the other night we were awarding the ushers because we had like an ushers general assembly party and we awarded one of our, oh there you go, I see our awardee. 15 years, faithful usher, Miss Odette Penn here. You know, she served in different congregations as an usher for 15 years in Alabang. Wala pang Alabang, usher na siya. Can you imagine? No, wala pang Akasha. Wala pang Akasha, usher na siya. Because she was ushering in, in uh, Westgate and then she was ushering in Festival Mall. But she's an usher. As pretty as she is. Come on. God wants to use you. If you have a voice, come in audition. Now, I'm not going to be the judge, okay? Uh, Pastor Saul can help, okay? But, you know, whatever it is, whatever your talent is, but as long as you are using it, don't be like this servant who just hid it in a handkerchief and did nothing with it. He didn't even bless anybody with his skills and his talent. And so what was... His reason why, for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. That was his view of his master. Is that really who the Lord is? The first two servants had a different view of God. But this one, because he thought he was a severe and austere hard man, he did not put it to good use. To austere means harsh, strict, ungracious, unfair, hard-nosed, cutthroat. Do you think God is like that? I don't think God is like that. God is so generous with His treasures that He has given to us. And because that was His attitude, basically, the Lord told him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. 
You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to him, uh, and he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. Wow. And so here we see that somehow even the ten who received already a reward, even more was added to him. Is God unfair? I don't think so. That's the way the kingdom of God works. The more faithful you are, the more responsibility you'll have, and the more blessings that will come your way. And that's the way it is. And he said this, Lord, he has 10 minutes already, and somehow, you know, I guess it's new human nature. We don't want other people to be blessed too much. Lord, okay na blessing na Let the blessing be scattered to others. Guess what? That's not the way the kingdom of God works. If you have been faithful, and God has rewarded you with many Guess what? You will even be rewarded with more. And then he said this, I tell you that to, uh, to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. God is not a socialist. He rewards people in accordance to their faithfulness. He's looking for people who are faithful. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Wow. What a hard statement. What does that mean? You know, this is the retribution now of the foes. There are three categories here. And these are the people are considered enemies who at the end of the day will not submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Those are considered enemies. And how many of you know that all of us one time used to be enemies of God? The Bible says while we were still His enemies and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He said this, but as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Is that too harsh for him? I believe that is a picture of the end times. Another picture that was given to us in some of the parables or stories in the New Testament, it says where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is eternal damnation to those who will not acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But to those who receive Him as Lord and Savior, He gives the grace to enjoy eternal life. Amen. But how many of you know that it is not God's desire for many people to come to this point of eternal damnation. That's why I believe this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53 was a picture of what happened 2,000 years ago. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This is somehow the picture of what happened. Yes, that king was asking for these enemies to be slaughtered before him. But yet this same king, 2,000 years ago, became a lamb. And John said, he is the lamb of God who can take away the sins of the world. And as a lamb, he was led to the slaughter. And he died and he was slain so that we can all live and we can all be saved. 
He took our place. Because exactly that is what His heart was. His heart is not for anyone to come into eternal damnation, but that for everyone to come into eternal life. He's giving so much time for us to come to repentance. Because ultimately, the heart of God is to seek and to save the lost. So as we end this parable, basically the lesson for this is this. Jesus comes so that He can save mankind. Second lesson is God rewards us who are faithful. And God wants to use us as well as testimonies, witnesses, so that we can reach other people to bring them into the kingdom of God because that is the real business of God. And then he said this, he engaged a business until I come. That is the business that God is asking us to be engaged in. Amen. Can we just bow our heads right now as we prepare our hearts for worship? Father, we thank you so much for our time this afternoon. Indeed, you are such a gracious God, a God who does not want anyone to come into eternal damnation but you desire everyone to come into repentance. Lord, help us to be faithful, Lord. I thank you, Lord God. You will find in this church people, men and women who are faithful with their talents, with their abilities, with their treasures. I pray, God, that you would continually bless them and open doors for them and open opportunities for them. I thank you, Lord God, that we will continue to acknowledge you as the one who gave us these treasures and talents and skills and abilities and opportunities, Lord. And may we be conscious, God. I pray that you would give us a new heart, a heart that is compassionate for people who are lost. The same heart that Jesus had with Zacchaeus, Lord, because one time in our life, we were all like Zacchaeus. We were lost, but now we are found. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will give all of us opportunities to reach out to our loved ones, our families, our friends, those who do not know you, Lord, to use our talents, our skills, to bring people into your kingdom, Lord. There is a dying world out there that is longing to hear this life-saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use us, Lord, as your faithful stewards to glorify you. Thank you, Father.